g'day and welcome to the extras everybody my name is Mike and I'm Sam and we are having a ball diving into the book of Romans how good has this been uh, it's great fun mate I mean it is it is a great one as we've been reminded of several times this is a wonderful letter that has shaped history human history uh, world history, church history, and the history of many, many individuals as they've come face to face with the God who is righteous and who declares us to be righteous. Yeah, it's been fantastic. It's been shaping my history the last couple of weeks. Just, I've just been doing Romans. Just, this, this, when you look back on the history of my life, this is it. Romans. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, I'm, I'm learning, and uh, we've got some good questions today, Mike. People who are digging deep and uh, thinking hard, and uh, we do a little bit of prep before the show, um, <laughs> and uh, today it was more like a lot. We don't even had to phone a friend on a question, so uh, there you go. Jack Day... We, we love working with Jack, and yeah. uh, he was in the office, and Sam and I were going, um, we haven't right. quite got our heads around this one, Jack, come and help us. That's it. He's got the most recent theology degree of all of us, so yeah, uh, we're right. like, quick, help. <laughs> anyway. But, I mean, one of the really exciting things for me, Sam, is uh, the depth of the questions that we keep getting every week. Show us that people are taking God's Word seriously. Yep. Um, I think it's an indication that people are engaging with uh, God's Word beforehand, not, not just during the Sunday, because they seem to be coming with really good questions even deeper questions than perhaps we're are tackling on the Sunday and yeah. so and of course lots of people have been taking the manuscripts yep. and the the Bible reading notes and questions which is super exciting yeah over 500 yeah. copies of the manuscripts have gone out across the church which is wonderful yeah we're thrilled uh, and lots of people have been listening to the extras is that right yeah we uh, yep the, the the number of listeners is growing um, steadily and so if you're a new listener welcome really good to have you on board and um, we hope we hope you keep finding these helpful yeah so Sam if I wasn't there on Sunday or my memory is uh, as my memory normally is <laughs> not great <laughs> but tell us uh, tell us what uh, what we covered in Romans 1 1 to 13 yeah we um, I, I focused us in on uh, just a handful of verses and uh, tried to dig pretty deeply into um, the gospel that the news that uh, Paul is announcing um, and uh, I gave six reasons why that news um, demands a response. Um, uh, so you can get online, you can listen to the talk if you want to have a, have a listen to that. Um, and, and we were focusing in on the, on the, the key response that, um, that, that this message demands, which is the obedience of faith. Um, which is, we've got some questions around that phrase um, today, and we'll, we'll try and unpack that a little bit further. Um, well, let, let's dive straight in there, mate. You've, mm. uh, you've opened the door, so sure, sure, let, sure. let's yeah, walk, walk straight through. through. <laughs> uh, now, we're in verse 5. If you've got your Bibles open, and we do encourage you if you can, yes. uh, you might be you know, going for a walk or driving the car, but you know, if you can have your Bible open, uh, that'll Don't, that'll don't do you. it if you're driving the car. Well, just please, eyes please. on the road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but verse 5, there is this phrase, the obedience of faith, and, and you um, helped us... Uh, understand this phrase on Sunday and even in the growth group material we've wrestled with this phrase yep uh, and the question has come is does this phrase kind of appear elsewhere in scripture help us to understand uh, exactly what it means and I think you alluded alluded on Sunday that actually some of the versions of the Bible that we use and love and trust even those uh, translate it slightly differently and so we need a bit of extra help Sam that's it um, yeah so um I mean, it's tricky. I'm always nervous to, to point out areas where where there's translation differences. Um, what I don't want to do is undermine your confidence in the Bible that you're reading in front of you. Um, 
and uh, and I do think that the way that the new international version, which is the one that we're using at church currently, um, that, that's a genuine possibility. And, and the idea there, and uh, if you've forgotten what I said on Sunday, um, it, it's picking up on the idea that um, perhaps faith comes first and then obedience flows out of it. And so they render it as the obedience that comes from faith. Flo- flows out of faith. Flows out of, that's right. Okay, so you, nice. you begin with faith yep. um, and then... From that, and that's you know that's a that's a consist that's consistent with the rest of scripture. Um, Ephesians two um, eight and nine has that saved by faith, uh, not by works. Um, but then that faith, where does it flow onto? Ephesians two verse ten, um, good works nice. will, will flow out from it. So yep. um, there's certainly nothing wrong with reading it that way. Yep, that's, um, that's a truth. That, that's a truth, absolutely. Um, however, um, if, if you look at some of the other versions, the English versions, the Holman Bible, um, the English Standard Version, both pick up um, a, a little bit more um, directly what what Paul did write, which is uh, he, he just called it the obedience of faith, um, which could mean the obedience that comes from faith or as I tried to unpack on Sunday um, the idea that faith in and of itself um, is the Christian's first act of obedience um, okay. that that is the the response demanded by the the, um, the gospel message um, there's really no other option but to trust it because uh, you can't make yourself righteous and so trust God and that that's the right response Okay, so this appears elsewhere, mate, in Romans or in the rest of Scripture? Yeah, um, look, there's a couple of places where it pops up. Um, In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, we just get a little, um, one of those summary statements of Acts, which says uh, that the word of God spread and that the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Um, So it's that idea of here's, here's a message that demands obedience. Um, similarly, um, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul speaks there uh, about the, the issue for those who um, reject God and he, he, he uses the little phrase, he says, those who do not obey the gospel of God. Um, and so there's this sense in which this message, the gospel of God, which is what um, Romans 1 is talking about as well, yeah. Um, that that it, it really is a claim of lordship that demands obedience. It demands, and, and that obedience is faith. Um, nice. Now, I think that faith will then flow out in many other acts of obedience, Absolutely. as per the way the NIV has translated it. But I think fundamentally, what it's getting at here is, um, yeah, the, the response of faith that God requires. And I think you've said before, is that right, Sam? That um, this obedience of faith. Uh, is at the beginning of Romans, this little phrase, and right at the end of Romans, it's almost like a bookend. Is yeah, right? I, yeah, that's right. Um, I, I think I mentioned that in the um, introductory podcast that we mm. that we've got up for you. Um, that's it's so sixteen twenty six, I think. Yep, uh, is the other. Um, so it, and it sort of yeah, like that's a that's a helpful phrase, a bookend, a frame. Um, that the rest of the, the the rest of the message is an unpacking of the gospel and the, the righteousness that comes by faith from the gospel. Um, the book sort of begins and ends with "Don't forget your response, which is to be obedient, uh, have the obedience of faith." Okay. Yeah. Terrific. Okay. Well, let, let's go back one verse to uh, to chapter one, verse four. Yes. Now uh, you said that the way that we know Jesus is Lord is because the Spirit is on the move. Mm. And so, question about this: uh, Is this verse saying that the Spirit is the way that we know Jesus is Lord now, or is this verse saying that the Spirit declared Jesus to be Lord by His resurrection? 
<laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's it, we're doing some deep deep work here, just trying to understand. Um, so the the question is, I guess, asking. Um, I said on Sunday that um, the the work of the Holy Spirit is the evidence um, that we're in the new age of the Spirit. The the um, uh, which then signals that that the Messiah is on the throne. Um, and I made the point that that's um, largely tied up with with the uh, sort of the Old Testament expectation. As much of Romans chapter one is, it's yes. Paul keeps saying this is all promised in Scripture beforehand. Yes. And so I, I wanted to point us back to to some of that Old Testament expectation and, and un, uh, understand this word from uh, this verse from that. Um, the the question is asking: Could it be the other option, which is um, that uh, sort of the Spirit has declared? Um, that Jesus is the Son of God in power, and the way that the Spirit has declared that is by raising him from the dead. Yep. Um, I think that's certainly true. Yeah. Uh, we we can. It is. Um, the Holy Spirit is is regularly connected to the resurrection of Jesus and to our resurrection, um, both in the old and in the new. Um, Romans chapter eight. I think. Have you got that handy there, mate? Yeah, Romans eight. Uh... Yeah, we did talk about this earlier, mate. We did. Uh, <laughs> is it verse 11? Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, I can probably pause there, can't I? That the spirit of him, of God, raised Jesus and now lives in us. That's right. And so you could say, and I think you'd be right to say, that yep, the Holy Spirit has raised Jesus from the dead. Yep. Um, and that, in and of itself, is a declaration of the kingship of Jesus that Absolutely. he has raised from the dead. Um, Acts 17 will, will point to the same thing when, when Paul preaches that you must repent before Jesus who is judge of the earth he'll say because God has raised him from the dead and it's the resurrection that signals um, his installation as kingship uh, insta- installation to the throne nice. so that that's absolutely true I, I think there's another um, point and this is the point I was trying to make on Sunday um, which is that um, more than that um, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out um, yes. is is also the Bible's witness um, that the King is on the throne and that, yeah. that Jesus is Lord. Um, and so if you think of uh, um, Acts chapter 2, uh, when um, Peter is preaching and he, and he refers back to the prophecy of Joel um, and uh, the Holy Spirit's at work and people are saying, what's going on? They must be drunk. And he says, no, no, no. The promise was, remember the promise of the Old Testament, that when you see men and women prophesying and dreaming, um, dreaming dreams dream, and visions. having visions, um, that is evidence that the new age of the eschaton has come and what will what, what will um, bring in the new age of the eschaton? What's this, the installation of the Messiah as king? Um, and and so now, why would you choose between one or the other of those two interpretations? Yeah. Um, for me, the the thing that pushed me towards that second interpretation is um, the way that Paul sets up a parallelism between verses three and four of Romans chapter one. All right, explain that, mate. Okay, so we're, we're getting technical here, yep. and um, you know, if you want to tune out and just you know skip. Two minutes forward in the podcast, you, you go and do that, or just look out the window and let me see. You can make this work for us. Let, let me on. see. If, yeah, come parallelism. On. Okay, give, give me um, the gold. A lot of the commentators think that what Paul is doing in verses three and four is actually referencing a um, 
a, a Christian poem or, or a mm. um, similar. Do you know how um, lots of people think that about Philippians chapter two? Um, yeah. That uh, that they, and the reason they think that is because it's such a highly structured um, little thing that they feel like it's someone's put a lot of work into it and uh, it, it feels kind of nice. like a, a song or a or a hymn or a poem or something like that. Okay. Um, and what they what they notice is the way that Paul sets up a parallelism between two testimonies or even potentially two ages here Um, and so the first one is verse three uh, according to his earthly nature according to uh, his earthly life or according to the flesh that's sort of um, sort of uh, tranche one of the um, um, the the parallelism and then tranche two is in verse four which is um, according to the spirit of holiness now the NIV has said through the spirit of holiness but it's Um, it's 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 paralleled. It's sort of according to the earthly life part one, according to the the Holy Spirit point two, which to me feels like talking about the age, the, the first age of the flesh and the second age of the spirit. Um, so I would suggest that given that pretty neat parallelism, there it feels like Paul is talking about these two ages rather than just the fact that the Holy Spirit um, announces the, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Okay. Do you see the difference yeah, there? Yeah. That's quite um, yeah, nuanced, um, but hopefully that can make some sense. Okay. No, that's helpful, mate. So kind of the follow-up question came uh, from, a, from from someone else. Um, how do we see the Holy Spirit on the move mm. uh, today? How does the Spirit go out? What are the signs of that? What should we be looking for? Yeah. Um, good to keep on reading Romans to try and mm. work out the answers. I mean, it's good to read your whole Bible, right? But... Um, uh, Romans chapter 8 is a, a great passage to try and understand um, what what does the Holy Spirit do in the life of a believer and um, I mean I've got three that I'll, I'll unpick there's, there's many 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 more um, but l- let me give you three from Romans chapter 8 that I think are pretty key ones um, so the first thing that um, uh, Romans chapter 3 uh, Romans chapter 8 points you to is the fact that uh, so in 8.15 um he says, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Um, you, you can't call God Father, but by the Spirit of God. Nice. Um, so really that's talking about being a Christian, having yep. God as your Father, Jesus as your Saviour, um, and that is a work of the Holy Spirit. And and so I think that's pointing to the, the key role of the Spirit, which is to bring you to faith. Awesome. Um, God is your Father. So if um, I believe in Jesus and... I call God my Father, I pray to Him. That's mm. a sign of the Spirit's work within me. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Yeah. Um, the second thing that Romans 8 talks about is um, it's by the Spirit that you can put to death um, the, the old life of the flesh. Um, and, and so if, if you sort of read through um, Romans 8, 1 through 11, um, that, that's kind of, you've got this idea of living life according to the flesh versus uh, living life according to the Spirit um, and and. Uh, verse 7 kind of captures it up for, for the mind of the flesh uh, is hostile to God because it doesn't submit itself to God's law and is unable to do so but you verse 9 are not in the flesh but of the spirit since the spirit of God lives in you uh, and so it stops us from rejecting God in our in our actions our works and, and enables us to start living a new life for God that, that's it. so if you're doing anything that's good and godly it's <laughs> uh, the spirit it's the work of the spirit in you, in you. Okay. Um, and then the third thing that the um, 
the Spirit seems to be attributed for in Romans chapter 8 um, is that uh, in, in 8.26, um, Paul writes, in the same way the Spirit also joins to help us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray as we should, but the, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. Um, and so th- there seems to be a sense in which the Holy Spirit's role in us is to aid us and assist us in our prayer lives. Um, even at points where you don't know what to, sp- to, to pray, um, it's almost like a, a help at that point that the Spirit does, thankfully, and uh, almost prays on your behalf. Nice. And, um, so there's three things. Look, there's there's much more we could say about the, the work of the Holy Spirit, but there's three from Romans um, to to look out for. Helpful, and we do look forward to getting to Romans eight at some stage. Some point we'll get. There. Yeah, it might take a while. But we're going. Have we got? We got three verses done. <laughs> so it won't take us long. Be fine. Feel free to read ahead, of course. Don't, don't wait for us. Okay, now we've got some good questions here. We're, we're, we're going to go deep, Sam. Yeah, I'd, um, if we're not there already. Well, yeah, hello, sorry. Of course. Um, so, uh, as Jesus was God's plan all along, that you know, Jesus would be the rescuer, the saviour of the world, completing the Old Testament promises and purposes of God. Yep. Um, does that mean that sin was also God's plan to did God plan for us to reject him and sin and mm. trying to get my head around it uh, yeah help us out that's a great question and it's someone who's listening and joining the dots um, yeah because I did say and I think Paul says pretty clearly that the gospel was promised in scripture um, there was always God's plan um, to to send Jesus um, and that's attested not just by the Old Testament but but many times in the new Um and uh, I guess you get here into this, one of the, the sort of theological realms we're wandering into is the realm of um, predestination. Um, and uh, a helpful verse on this comes from Ephesians chapter 1, um, which is talking about all those spiritual blessings that God kind of um, lavishes upon those who, who trust in Jesus. And um, one of the blessings that you that you get along the way in Ephesians, or that, that is mentioned along the way in Ephesians chapter 1, is the blessing of being chosen. Um, it's actually the first one. Mm, verse 4. Uh, verse 4, he says, uh, he's, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself. Um before so, the foundation of the world. Yeah. So if you, if you think that through, mm-hmm. um, if God is going to choose people to be saved in Christ, in Christ and th- through the work of Christ, mm. and he does that before the creation of the world, mm. it must mean that God's plan involves the fall of the world. Because if it doesn't, how can he be choosing us into Christ to, to be our saviour? Um, otherwise, he he wouldn't have done that because the the fall would have been one big surprise. Um, and he's like, "Wow, I've got to do something. I've got to save him through Jesus Christ." Um, whereas plan, plan B, Plan B, which is what I was trying to say, that's not what the Bible no. says. Um, plan A was always that God would save people through Jesus Christ. So before creation, before Genesis one, precisely, God knew yep. that He'd have to send Jesus. Yep. God chose us to be in Him. That's right. And that all implies that the fall of, or the entry of sin into the world, Genesis 3, didn't take God by surprise. That's right. That was always part of God's plan. But does mm. that mean God's mm. 
still just and right mm. and how does yeah yeah so I mean the question there is well hang on is, does that mean God is bad um, yeah. he's, he's planned sin sin is bad sin is wicked but if, but if God's responsible for it that makes God somehow less than good I think is the uh, the, the point where you, if you want to crystallise that question um, and again I mean part of you might like to just push pause here and go back to last week's episode uh, where, we, where we talked in some depth around um, what we called compatibilism um, which is that in that in one event and one act there can be two wills operating someone's willing for good and someone's willing for evil um, Satan in, as the snake and wanting to bring about the fall for humanity his will in all of this is to overthrow God <clears throat> to dethrone God and to raise up and take creation for himself mm-hmm. um, and you even see that in the way when he comes to tempt Jesus in um, Matthew chapter 4. He, his goal there is to get God to bow down to Satan, that Satan would be at the center of it all. Um, that's a wicked will um, that deserves punishment and um, destruction. Yes. Um, God's will, however, in, in the fall um, is both to glorify his son, um, who, who will come as the savior and overthrower of evil, um, and also to show his mercy and compassion, because tied up in the very essence and nature of who God is, um, and if you can remember back to our Exodus series a few years ago, that at the very centre of God's being, Exodus 34, is the graciousness and compassion of God, and that God uh, wills um, the, the fall such that he can display and show his mercy and compassion and then glorify his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Again, in compatibilism, there is a degree of mystery here. Mm. For God's sovereignty is not compromised. He stands behind all things, and yet he stands behind them in such a way as that um, he himself is not morally culpable for uh, those things. He he is still right to judge those, such as Satan and the humans, for that matter, um, who have instigated and enacted the rebellion. That's helpful, mate. So, because I've got to admit, I find this hard to get my head around and mm. so it's helpful to say this is a bit of a mystery mm. uh, and yet we can trust that God can stand behind all these things because mm. God is completely sovereign and if that's he's right. not sovereign then he's really not God that's right and yet he's still a good God even though there's yep. you know um, yep. the presence of evil and sin and the fall mm. God stands behind that and yet God still remains good that's right and and now Degree of mystery, that's really helpful to acknowledge. Um, and, and I guess I'd add to that, look, there'll be a continual degree of mystery if all you do is listen to my three-minute answers on <laughs> the sovereignty of God. And if you haven't yet gone and grabbed that book that we talked about last week, um, Praying with Paul uh, or, or Call to Spiritual Reformation was its old title, mm. you haven't yet read Chapter 9 in that. Um, I've got some other stuff if you've read that and you want to keep digging further, but start with that. Yeah. And uh, there will always be a degree of mystery around this, and that's okay because it's, um, sometimes it's more important to worship God than understand everything. Um, and yet there'll be a little bit less mystery once you go and um, follow someone like Don Carson through all of the, the, the key texts in the Bible uh, that will help you start to think about it well. Yeah, terrific. Thanks, mate. Thanks for those extra resources too. That's helpful. Okay, uh, back into Romans. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does it mean for Jesus in his earthly life before resurrection if he was declared to be the Son of God in power 
only after his resurrection. Uh, was he less powerful before his resurrection? Uh, what exactly changed with his resurrection? Mm. Um, even perhaps before Jesus' pre-existence on earth. Yeah. Uh, so these are big, big questions of the nature of Jesus um, before, yeah. before, during, after. <laughs> yeah, this is the one we had to phone a friend on, so uh, well done to you for asking it. Um, and, and thanks, Jack Day, again for yeah, your help. <laughs> that's it, that's it. That's it. Um, look, let me see if I can gather this up. Um, there seems to be something of... I don't know if you have, how good you are with mathematical curves, Mike. But, well, not, um, not. Yeah, okay. Well, um, imagine graphing a curve kind of on a, on a X and Y axis. Imagine a, a graph that looks a little bit like a U. Mm-hmm. Um, starts high, comes down, and then goes back up right. to the same point. There's something of a U curve going on here. Um, okay. In that, um, before his incarnation, Jesus, as God the Son... Um, reigned with God in, in eternity, um, fully God with all the attributes of um, the Trinity, the, 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 all the divinity of, of God. Um, and uh, that's attested to um, John chapter 1. He's the Word. He's with God. He created all things. Um, Colossians chapter 1 builds on that. Um, we looked at that in term 1 in terms of um, Jesus being there and being fully God. Um, and yet, if you go to Philippians chapter 2... Um, uh, what we see there is even though Jesus is fully God in all of his glory and power and majesty, he he humbles himself, Philippians chapter 2, uh, I think it's verse 7, and he um, became, uh, he, he took on the nature of a servant, uh, being found in human form, um, and then he became obedient to death, even death on a cross, and so there's this sort of a coming down the the first part of the you. He 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 is in nature God, and yet he restrains restricts himself to the form of a human. Yep. Um, and uh, he purposefully therefore does not um, operate in in his full power as the the Son of God. Now, nothing changes about God, but God takes on humanity, if that makes sense, and, okay. and purposefully chooses to restrain himself uh through that through that time um and a couple of times along the way jesus sort of alludes to this you know he stands before Pilate in um where is that matthew 26 yeah, yep. i think from memory um and uh he he says look you think i couldn't summon 12 legions of angels right now and then he makes the point but i i have to go to my death because if i don't the scripture won't be fulfilled um which uh, so Jesus is again working to that plan, um, and in doing so, he as he takes on human flesh, he is found in weakness and in power, and then oh, sorry, weakness and in humility, not power, um, and ultimately in in death, um, and then God raises him uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit uh, and seats him. Uh, Philippians 2 keeps going on, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gives him the name that's above every name. Um, and, and so he, he seems to, to come back up the other side of the um, the, U, the U, U there. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, he's, and then he's reinstalled onto the throne uh, as the resurrected uh, one. So um, there is certainly something significant about Jesus taking on flesh and coming as a human to die in weakness and dishonor before being then installed as the Psalm 2 son um, after his resurrection from the dead. 
So some people do talk about a U curve, but but some people also talk about a J curve. Is that right? Yeah. Um, that Jesus kind of starts at a point before his incarnation, uh, humbles himself, becomes obedient to death, death, death on the cross. Therefore, God exalts him even higher than he was originally. Like the the, the curve keeps going up like a J rather than just a U. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's very. We've got to be quite careful here in the way that we speak about this. Mm. Um, in that nothing fundamentally changes in the nature of God. Um, God is unchanging. Yeah. Um, Jesus is, is the whole time divine, and yet now God, um, Jesus is installed as king over the earth, which, which grants to him a glory and honor, which before him dying and rising again, he, he didn't have. He was always king of a kingdom. He says that. Um, yeah. uh, he says, I'm a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. Not of this world. And so what the death and resurrection of Jesus does is to install him once again as the rightful king over this earth and and then he, he will begin to bring his reign his ruling presence back to the earth and things will begin to respond to Jesus uh, as they should as king and the way that the, the plan that God has got to bring about that installation of Jesus is that he dies and rises again so I think you could say that the death of, and resurrection of Jesus means that he is he will now receive more glory and power and honor and worth other than he would have had he not died and rose for sinners because it's in his death and resurrection that his kingdom that's right starts to come. comes in to that's invades right. our reality that's right and so more and more people now know and that's can right. experience the kingdom but of course there's more to come yes but he was no less king beforehand he was right. always the king yeah. but he's, he hadn't been enthroned back over the world again yeah okay love the questions that everyone is asking out there guys thank you so much um keep asking your questions because they're glorious and they're helping us to think and hopefully they're helping you to think and engage more with with god's word mm. so sam thanks for your work mate no worries I appreciate it um this sunday yeah. tell us where we're headed yeah, we're, we're, look, we're getting into um, the, the, those key verses. Um, the Bible reading for this week is, is just four verses. Um, we're looking at chapter 1, verses 14 to 17. And uh, we're looking at, the, at that great claim that Paul has that he's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of, of all who believe. Um, so we're going to be looking at the power of the gospel. Um, we're going to look at what it might mean to be ashamed of the gospel and looking at why, like Paul, we, we must not be ashamed of the gospel, um, knowing its great power and knowing the message of righteousness that it contains. And do I remember right, Sam, you said this is kind of almost the key verse, the title verse for... Yeah, it's sort of like the, 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 the topic sentence, topic, if you like, okay. the, the sort of the thesis statement of, uh, of what Romans is, is all about. And so, um, yeah, you can see um, from many different angles that uh, these verses, both structurally and thematically, set up the rest of the letter to come and so uh, you don't want to miss this Sunday you want to be there you want to hear it um, really important stuff so read ahead yep. uh, pray for yourself that you'll hear God's word well pray, pray for Sam and, and Robbo as they preach as well mm-hmm. um, and uh, and make sure you come along not to be missed indeed thanks everybody have a great day this has been The Extras see you next week bye bye